What's up, everybody? This is Jerry Ferrara, and you are listening to the Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah podcast. We need to rebuild you, all right? We got to start over from scratch. I will decide when the moment is right, and then we will pounce on a greenlit studio picture with an A-list director, because that is what we need. Listen, this is what I do. Let me be heard this time. I swear to God, you will come back stronger than ever. Like Lance Armstrong, but with two balls. Welcome back, everybody, to Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, the Entourage Podcast. I am your host, J.R. Hickey, coming to you from my father-in-law's house in sunny Palm Desert, California. Apologies for the delay, braving a new frontier here with the Monday night release, Tuesday morning episode. I know it's been a while since you've heard from me, and I apologize. As mentioned, not going to have a consistent posting schedule for the near future. Hope everyone's doing well. Hope everybody is staying safe. Thank you to everybody who has reached out. So many kind words during this transitional period of oh yeah, oh yeah. It means a lot to hear that people are listening to the show all around the world, re-listening to old episodes, and have such a strong relationship with this television show. Couple housekeeping things. First, I am aware of Victory the Podcast that Tevin Connolly, Tevin Dillon, and Dud Ellen are putting together. It's on Tevin Connolly's podcast network, Action Park Media. You guys don't have to keep sending me the Instagram posts that Dud Ellen, Tevin Dillon, and Tevin Connolly are posting. I think it's awesome. I think you want to hear the inside scoop on these episodes. I do my best here. I do deep dives. I try to talk to people within the industry. I scour IMDb and Wikipedia, but the best source is the sources themselves. Now, I wish those guys nothing but success in their podcast. I hope when this whole coronavirus COVID lockdown is lifted, that they continue to do it. I'm going to continue to do oh yeah, oh yeah. I'll stay in my lane. I will stick to episode-by-episode breakdowns, some more fun, high-level episodes. I have a feeling, not knowing much more than you guys know, that they're going to talk about Entourage at a much higher level than I have been doing on this show. And, of course, still a dream to have the Tevins and Dud on this podcast eventually. I have spoken to Dud a few times. That is not out of the question. Second, I want to thank everybody who has donated to the podcast. As I've mentioned a few times, I'm out of my own now. I'm not under the Bro Bible umbrella, so I'm doing this podcast completely out of my own pocket. I want to give a special shout out to Connor, who just recently donated. How this works is there's a link in the show notes of today's episode. Leads you to Anchor, which is our hosting software. Anchor allows you to donate a monthly amount. I think it's a dollar, five dollars, or ten dollars. For every donation I get in the month of May, and most likely in the month of June, for however long this whole lockdown is going on towards, I'm going to donate half of what's donated to the podcast to a company called Good360.com. Good360 is providing goods for the common goods. So blankets, towels, sheets, masks, gloves to those people fighting on the front lines and the people who have been affected by this crisis. Look on the social media accounts by the end of May. You'll see the donation receipts. If you feel inclined, if you have the means... Hit that donate button to donate to a great cause and support a tiny little podcast about Entourage. So you're probably wondering, who is this guest this week? Is it really JR's wife? And you are correct. Now, this wasn't me being lazy. I've spent the past two weeks chasing and communicating with an actress 
who acts in this episode of Entourage, episode two of season five on Light of Virgin. She has, as celebrities tend to do, gone ghost on me. I couldn't wait any longer. I really wanted a female for this episode because there's a lot of female-driven plot lines. Been meaning to have my wife on. I think she's a great, valuable resource. She grew up in Southern California. She worked in Hollywood for 10 years out of college. She's had run-ins with Mark Wahlberg. She's a very eloquent, successful human being who I just pressured enough to get her on the podcast this week. She had a lot of fun. She was a little scared at first, but if you guys enjoy what she brings to the table, please let me know. I'd love to have her back. She's obviously a super easy guest for me to book, especially during these times. We had a lot of fun recording over the weekend. I think you'll find it's just like any other normal episode of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, done with someone who I'm extremely close with and I care a lot about. I think that checks all the boxes for me. Be on the lookout. I am working on a separate project, separate podcasting project, a little bit more evergreen content surrounding pop culture, television, and media. If you guys like the kind of deep dive that I do here on the Entourage podcast, you will definitely want to check out this upcoming project that I have. When I go deep dive on shows other than Entourage, movies, music, those types of things, those conversations are currently happening. Apologies if that takes me away from Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah for a week or two at a time. Enjoy the episode, follow the social media accounts at Oh Yeah Pod, and enjoy Unlike Diversion with my first wife, Alexandra. All right, we're back. I promised to get more female guests on the podcast. As I've discussed a couple times, it's harder and harder to find guests who actually get the show. I've looked far and wide, and I finally landed on the person, the female nearest and dearest to both my heart and my podcasting setup from Orange County, California, making her podcast debut here in the flesh. My first wife, welcome to the Entourage podcast. <laughs> Thank you, John. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not going to call you my first wife this whole time. That's like a Twitter bit that I've been doing for a couple years, but yeah. I'll address you by your first name, Allie. We are dissecting Season 5, Episode 2, Unlike a Virgin. We just watched the episode. Before we dive into the normal categories, as you know, you've heard a few of these episodes before. I have to ask all my first-time guests, Allie, what was your first experience with Entourage like? Well, I was in college. Uh, This was like 2004, I think, when it started, and living in L.A., interning at Sony Pictures Studios in Culver City. You're just kind of part of all the LA shows that are happening, all the LA movies. You're in it, you're around it. And so I think I just heard about it and watched a few here and there, but it really wasn't until uh, I was actually working on the lot around 2007. I just looked out my window and saw E and the Entourage crew filming an episode. So being that close to it, I was like, okay, I need to watch this show like in seriousness and, and check it out. That's so funny because we're breaking down an episode from 2008. So if you were watching them film an episode in 2007, chances are high you may have seen them filming shots from this week's episode that we're breaking down. This is a question I don't ask my usual guests is it's a little unique to you, Allie, but what has your experience been like with me being the host of an Entourage podcast for these past two years? It has been a ride of late nights watching Entourage with you, or if we're bored and don't know what to watch, it's, well, we can watch Entourage again. So I think in the beginning, we binge-watched the entire series yep. in like a month, because yep. you're like, I'm doing this podcast, I gotta know, I gotta remember the series, and... 
yeah, I, I, it was just a lot of late nights and then we'd be done watching it. I'd go to bed and you're like, I'm going to watch it one more time. And it's, it's crazy. You, you watched the season probably once or twice before I actually started doing this podcast and then watching the individual episodes another few times before you do each session with your guests. And it's just, I mean, I'd hear you recite lines <laughs> while we're sitting there watching this show, like a lunatic. Like, yep. how do you know every single line from this show? It's pretty sad. No, I've talked about it before. I need to be an expert on this stuff. I can't slip up. I can't misspeak. If I do, I hear about it. And, you know, Entourage fans are passionate people. So uh, I've got to be on my toes for this stuff. So Yeah, you're uh, definitely dedicated with the research. We've been married for two years now, almost about a year and a half. And this Entourage podcast has been the entirety of our... <laughs> I think I started it like a month after we got married. So this has been uh, an interesting first uh, 18 months, hasn't it? It's everything I could have dreamed of in the first two years of our marriage. You married me and a television show on HBO that ran from 2004 to 2011. <laughs> Let's talk about Unlike a Virgin. We just got done watching it together. I watched it uh, previously a couple times too. So I'm, I'm a little more boned up than you are on it. You know, we'll do our best. We'll hit some of the categories. It'll be more of a free-flowing conversation than it would be if I had like a guest Skyping in who's had the questions in front of them for a long time. Let's be honest. My first wife wants to go to the pool after this. She's doing this as a favor to me and all the listeners of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah. So we'll we'll do our best here. That's, that's what I'm going to say. We'll do our best and uh, hopefully some hopefully we have some fun with it. People will either hate this or love it. And now that I'm not under the Bro Bible umbrella, I can kind of do whatever I want. And so having you on as one of my first guests has kind of always been a dream of mine. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Well, thanks. I'm happy to be here. This will be fun. All right, so episode two of season five aired on Sunday, September 14th, 2008. There are two things that happened around this time. One is sports related and one is American history related. Which should I hit first? Sports, of course. Sports, of course. Yeah, so the next day, September 15th, 2008, it was the last Monday night football game at Texas Stadium. The Dallas Cowboys defeated the Philadelphia Eagles 41-37. to It drew the largest viewing audience in United States cable history. It was a memorable game, which featured seven lead changes, the most points scored in the history of the Cowboys-Eagles rivalry, numerous bid plays, and a major mistake by the Eagles' Deshaun Jackson, who lost a touchdown when he prematurely tossed the ball behind him before crossing the goal line. This is an iconic sports highlight, one of the biggest daffies in sports history, people refer to that now as the Deshaun Jackson. If a player is running towards the end zone and drops the ball before they cross the uh, the goal line, iconic. I don't remember it particularly. I'm sure you don't, but I know a lot of our listeners in Texas and Philadelphia, two in particular, are going to uh, remember that night. I remember either I do remember it or we watched the clips of it after because I feel like we just talked about this a couple years ago. People refer to the Deshaun Jackson mistake like all the time because yeah. it still happens like to this day, which is remarkable when you're a football player and you pay tens of millions of dollars and you drop the fucking ball before you cross the uh, yeah, I end line. I feel like it almost happened or did ha potentially happen a year or two ago in a game, and that's when we referred back to it when we were watching. Potentially. And worth mentioning during this time period, deep in the American subprime mortgage crisis, the recession in 2008 hit everyone hard, banks are bailing out companies, Financial institutions are declaring bankruptcy, and there's a lot of things that are uh, pretty resonant for little, us right now. A little close to home right now. Yeah, like... let's just be honest. Um, 
feels like some things are similarly happening today during this uh, quarantine lockdown situation. But yeah. we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Entourage. So let's do a quick recap of Unlike a Virgin. This week's episode, Vince starts off by reading scripts. He's determined to find a new project, but everything he likes, Ari informs him, has already gone to the Tobey Maguire's and Leonardo DiCaprio's of the world. There is one script that E found called Nine Brave Souls, but Ari refuses to let Vince play in it because there are no more indies on the horizon for Vince. Eric, however, is interested in the writers and heads out to their office, office in quotes, to discuss representing them. Vince runs into Justine Chapin, the young singer he had to pass up a while back due to his firm policy to never be someone's first or their last. When Justine invites Vince and the guys to her music video rap party, Drama gets nervous because Jacqueline, his long-distance girlfriend, will know that he's stepping out and works himself into a guilty frenzy that culminates in him accusing Jacqueline of cheating on him and him losing that relationship. At the party, Justine tries to pawn Vince off on a friend and Vince realizes just how far he's fallen. He demands an emergency meeting with Ari, vowing to do whatever it takes to act like a movie star again. Allie, what was your favorite moment from this week's episode of Entourage? I don't know if it's a favorite moment, but I just can't stop thinking about Turtle in the beginning. <laughs> like, desperate to go out with Vince. Vince is so dedicated to his craft at the moment. Looking to go out with E or even drama, but drama's refusing because he's got his long-distance girlfriend <laughs> back in Paris. And I love the part where... Turtle asks E, like, hey, you want to go out? And he's like, you and me? Like, he's so desperate to go out, but not enough to go out with E. He's and... like, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah. I think that's one of my favorite parts, because it's just ridiculous, too, of like, guys, want to get some pussy? Let's yeah. get some girls? Eh, never mind. I'll just, uh, I'll probably just catch a beat. Like, oh. Vince utters, uh, sorry, Turtle utters the line, I'll probably touch a beat, and you literally stopped and were like, what does that mean? And I had to explain <laughs> to you what that meant when guys were like, I'll just probably beat off <laughs> instead of going out and trying to chase uh, some women. Are we seriously not going out tonight? We seriously are not. Come on, Vin, we need to go find some girls. I got reading to do. Dude, you've been reading all day. Look at your fingertips. They're all sunburned from holding scripts over your face. Give me a break, Turtle. There's Still plenty to go. Sorry. Drama! You wanna go find some ass? Hi, Jack. Hey, Turtle. Bye, Turtle. Bye, Jack. He's touchy. Sorry again. 30 awful scripts to get to one good one. Yeah? It's strong. Put it on the pile. Nice. I like the new work ethic, Vince. I don't. Ooh, I do love those tits. You want to roll the villa tonight, E? Who? It's me and you? Yeah, you're right. I'll just catch a beat. Come on, not out here. Turtle has like a sneaky good episode this week, which we'll talk about. I'm going to talk a ton about Ari this week because Ari's like on one. Ari, during this episode, at one point, he finds out that Vince is coming to the office to like have like a surprise drop-in visit. He's in a screening for a movie for a director that he's representing. Lloyd comes in and tells him the news, like Vince is on his way. And Ari's like, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm got the director right behind me. And he like masterminds the plan. Lloyd, go unplug the projector. I'll sneak out of here and pretend like it's a big fucking deal. And it's great. From that moment, he calls Eric and like motherfucks him to his face. And is like, I just want to let you know, every decision you've ever made on behalf of Vince has been wrong. He throws another agent's cell phone on the ground. He kicks a mail cart. It's iconic Jeremy Piven, Ari Gold performance. I loved it. It's like the highlight of maybe this early Ari Gold season performance and the highlight of the episode for me. Jesus, what do you want to do? Get 
walk out of here because the director's sitting right behind me. So what should I do? Pull the plug on the projector. Are you serious? Yeah, go. <clears throat> the hell? Can we fix this fucking projector already? I'm sorry, man. I'm so sorry. I'm gonna hit the bathroom real quick. Can somebody fix the fucking projector? What do you say the problem is? He didn't. But if I had to guess, I'd say you didn't make him very happy this morning. Like it's my fault. Calling to apologize? I'm calling to tell you that I blame you for every bad thing that's ever happened to Vince and every bad thing that ever could happen to him for the rest of his life. You're the unfucking lucky charm. You hear me? You should never utter the words, I found a good script, because you have no idea what a good fucking script looks like. Live with that. Every episode, Allie, we talked about our favorite bros being bros moment. These are moments of just like male friendship, like moments of like loyalty or like just. I'm, you're not a male, so like, you, but I, I've talked about this with a few female guests before. Like, you know, females every once in a while will have like broette to broette moments. What was your favorite bros being bros moment from this week's episode? Oh, it's gotta be when Turtle's in the car at the end of the episode waiting for Vince and telling that girl that he met, like, as beautiful as you are, I would never ditch Vince for you. How long are we just gonna sit here for? Till Vince comes out. Mm, well, I'm getting really bored and it's giving me time to think. It's not a good thing for you. <laughs> I understand. Mm. And try not to take this as an insult, but as gorgeous as you are, I'd never ditch Vince for you. Well, I like your loyalty. Yeah? How much? Yeah, I like that a lot. That was, uh, that was a nice moment, because Turtle's so desperate to get laid in these first four or five seasons of the show that you think that like he would do anything to get laid, but he has a line, and that line is Vince. And when I had Jerry Ferrara on just a month and a half ago, he talked about how the one personality trait he always wanted to shine through with the turtle character no matter how despicable he got was loyalty and uh just perfect perfect example of bros being bros yeah i uh i'll i'll, I'll harken back to what you just mentioned the moment with uh turtle and e turtle going you want to roll the villa tonight e and e being like just me and you but that dynamic exists i have three close male friends that i've grown up with since i was a little kid but there's certain dynamics i wouldn't just hang out with one of the one of them like one-on-one -on -one at a bar late at night because that dynamic just doesn't work. But if it's a certain three of us or if it's a certain two of us and another guy shows up, it works. So that exists amongst males. Does that exist amongst females? Oh, yeah. There's like you've got your one or two close girls and then you've got your group of friends, right? And I think this can go both male, female, but there's always like your social friends. And I would probably never hang out one-on-one -on -one with one or few of those people, one of those women in that group. But there's still that line of complete loyalty to your girls. Like if a guy was screwing her over or there's something going on in the relationship, like you'd absolutely pick each other over that. Girls tend to backstab a little bit more though. Let's be honest. Ooh, shade. <laughs> Although it's very true. <laughs> what was your least favorite moment from this week's episode, Allie? Yeah, I would have to say it's the moment when 
drama, you know, blows up on Jacqueline over the 5,000 voice messages that he's leaving her. She's sleeping in the middle of the night in Paris. It's broad daylight for him in LA. It's just like, it's just such a pussy move. Whether you're male or female, this whole possessive thing, it's sad because it happens. That's why I'm saying it's relatable no matter what. But it's like, come on, drama. Like, the table's turned and yeah. it shouldn't be like that. It's hard to see drama being weak. Like, sometimes it's done for humor, which I love. And that's some of the best drama moments. But when he just is like, when he's just getting in his own way, which we talked about a lot on this podcast, sometimes it, it makes you, like, cringe a little bit. And yeah. that was a, a cringeworthy moment. Baby, it's me again. I'd like to think you're sleeping, but nobody can sleep through this. Where the fuck are you? Pick up the fucking phone! Didn't his mother ever tell him not to speak like that? <laughs> Should we tell our story about when I left you all those voicemails? <laughs> yes! Oh my gosh. So, we'll try to keep this short, and this won't just become the JR Hickey story time hour, but Allie and I, when we first met, we dated long distance. Uh, California to Chicago. At the time, I was doing stand-up comedy regularly in the city of Chicago, so I'd have a lot of late nights. And let's be honest, you still would go to bed earlier than me, even though Very you true. were two hours ahead of me, two hours behind me? Behind you, yeah. To behind me. So it'd be like 8 p.m. in California, and you'd be like, I'm going to bed, and it'd be 10 p.m., and I would just be hitting the stage at like a stand-up show in Chicago. So there'd be a lot of these moments where I'd have to, where I'd text you, or I'd give you a quick call to say goodnight. And early on in our relationship, you know, we didn't talk every single night i think that was actually a, something that we decided on was like let's not talk every single night because we don't want like a drama and jacqueline situation Absolutely. and it was so funny because we were either missing each other or hadn't spoken that much that night and you finally texted me and i was literally like walking on stage at some show in like lakeview chicago and you sent me a block of text that was like hey pretty long day but up but up but duh XYZ, I'm going to bed. And I kind of stand it. And I was like, oh, okay, she's going to bed. So I texted you back and was like, great. Hope you had a good day. Sleep well. Love you. Talk to you tomorrow. And I went on stage. I did my whatever, five minute set, 10 minute set. And then I got off stage. And then I actually read the text message you sent me. Typical. And, <laughs> and you had gotten bit by a spider or a snake or something. Spider, spider. spider. And you had been in the hospital. And I basically ignored that entire part of the text message and was just like, great, glad to hear your night went all right. Let's have a good one. Bye. And blew you the fuck off, basically. And I panicked. I went into sheer on panic mode and I started calling you. And at this point, it's probably, it's probably, you know, 11. It's not that late on your end, but you're, you're dead asleep. You probably had taken some like... Benadryl yeah, or whatever. Yeah, something. And I'm calling you and it's going right to voicemail. So I think that like my call's not going through. So I like kept trying to call you to see if it would wake you up. I was scared. I was like, oh my God, is my new girlfriend, my new long distance girlfriend, is she in the hospital? And I wake up the next morning and I have like 11 missed calls and like three <laughs> voicemails from you. And I even remember, I'm like, geez, like, <laughs> what is this guy doing? <laughs> we sorted it all out the next day. It was pretty understandable, but it was one of those early relationship missteps that could have really like gone wrong. Oh, We're yeah. like, if, you know, if it had spiraled or if I had done something or said something inappropriate, we might not have come back from that. Luckily, we did. Your trooper. Maybe you'd seen this episode of Entourage. It was inspiration. <laughs> it was inspiration, yeah. Uh, every week we talk about the most Entourage moment of the episode. That can kind of be whatever you want it to be, Allie. So what was the most Entourage moment from this week's episode of Entourage? 
There's kind of like two. Can I have two? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> as many as you want. Well, one is like Jeremy Piven. Ari is just a ridiculous human being in this series. And when he just walked, you, you mentioned earlier about how like he's coming in and just in the office, he's dressing E down over the phone, just telling him how he doesn't know anything about scripts and in <laughs> this business. And he's just walking through the office and random guy walking through the office just takes the phone off his ear and throws it on the floor and kicks the mail cart. Like it's the most absurd thing. And it's the only thing that Ari would do. And it's the, he's the only one that does do that in this show. And he's so, also the only one who gets away with it. Cause if yeah. you imagine that, ha- especially now in 2020, like Never. you worked at a tech company in the Bay area. If a manager walking by you threw your phone out of your hand, like he'd be on the front page of the San Francisco Chronicle and like, it would be, it would be an international incident at this point, but yeah. it's already gold, so it's hilarious. He's so ridiculous. And I think the other one um, is the boys are always, you know, walking in like the flying V almost yep. down there. Walking and talking, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And every time when they're about to just kind of like sit down, maybe talk about their day or what's going to happen, you know, this pivotal point in the episode of where it's going to shift is they're always sitting down to Earth Cafe. Yeah. So it's just like, it's an entourage moment. It's these guys. It's it's a moment that they're always there. And I watch these, every episode that they're going to Earth Cafe, I'm like, nobody gets to sit down like that that quickly. Never have I walked into Earth Cafe <laughs> in Santa Monica or Melrose and just had a busboy nicely clean the table and I get to sit right down. I'm waiting around the corner. So it's just ridiculous. I think there's a little bit of like, it's Vinny Chase. Turtle probably makes a phone call on the way over like, hey, Vinny needs a four top and they don't, no problem, Mr. Chase. And they reserve it and they keep it open. And yeah, it's never crowded though, which is always interesting to me. Like It is. It's always crowded. Yeah. It's always crowded. I mean, I was doing it wrong when I lived there, that's for sure. Hard to believe this is where I'm at, huh? Hard to believe we're going to sit around on our asses and do nothing. You know, there are other things an actor can do besides waiting around for his age. Like what, Drama? Somebody's got to hire him to act. <laughs> Nobody hired Drama and he was doing those scenes on Third Street Promenade. I didn't do scenes on the Promenade, jerk. Off to Santa Monica Pier once and I got paid for that. Right, so what do you think I can do, Johnny? Well, you can work on your body, for one. My body? What's wrong with my body? Don't get sensitive, bro. Well, let's face it, you have a tough time landing the lead in 300. <laughs> what do you think of this, Turtle? I like 300. You don't like my body either? Vin, your body's just fine. But I have often thought if we put your face on Russell Crowe's body, we'd have like the Terminator of acting. You've thought about Vince's face on Russell Crowe's body. That's disturbing. I'm actually feeling insecure now. But Vince, I want to talk to you about that script. You heard what Ari said. We need a studio movie. We're going to listen to him this time. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the writers. I'm thinking maybe I should sign him. Yeah, give you three out-of-work clients to work with. Sorry, Vin. I'm really just making fun of his other clients. I actually think it's a good idea. Worst case, we'll have a nice management business to feed us. Any lines or quotes jump out at you from this week's episode? There are a lot of good ones. A lot of good ones from Ari, some decent ones from Turtle. I'll, let me start. I particularly like Turtle at one point turns to Drama and Vince when like they're watching, what her name? what's her name, Leighton Meester, mm-hmm. plays Justine Chapin. They're watching her do the Tony Bennett duet, and we'll get to Tony Bennett. Turtle turns to them and goes, if you and Drama both have girlfriends, I'm going to fucking shoot myself, which is so perfect. Like, that's so relatable. Is that if my two best friends are in long-term relationships, I'm going to die. This is going to suck for me. You, you took it. It's, that's one of my favorites. I thought that was hilarious because I would feel the same way. Going, like, especially guys, like, or girls going into summer and they just want to play the field. And, like, it's, it's, it reminds me of a moment like that. Oh, the good life full of fun. Seems to be the ideal. You are so gonna bang this girl. She can be real trouble for me, I'm telling you. If you and Drama both have girlfriends, I'm gonna shoot myself. Yo, I hope I have a girlfriend after tonight. Of 
collar. But I'd say my second favorite, because I have a bit of a dirty mouth, because I love when Ari just yells out rusty cunt bucket with Wahlberg <laughs> while he's golfing. <laughs> It's a great, it's a great word. It's a great few words yep. put together. Yep. I, I would say it. Yeah, you would say that golfing. To be honest with you, that is that is the type of uh, foul mouth I married, folks. Every week we talked about our favorite songs from this week's episode of Entourage. I wouldn't say this is a particularly like iconic music episode of the show. Scott Venner, the music producer, usually does a pretty good job of hand selecting the music. We have a Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah music playlist. The link to listen to that on Spotify is in the show notes of today's episode. And there's really only one song that's worth calling out. It's the uh, end credit song. That's always the end credit song for me. If I ever feel better by Phoenix. Remember when Phoenix was like a massive band back in the early 2000s? They headlined Coachella, they headlined Lollapalooza. They had two good albums. Then they kind of just fell off. We haven't really heard much of Phoenix at the time. Have you ever seen Phoenix live? Didn't we see them at Outside Lands? No, we didn't see them at Outside Lands. I saw them. You probably saw them. I saw them at a Lollapalooza after show. Um, The only like after show I ever went to in Chicago, and it was pretty incredible. I'm pretty sure I saw them in. I want to say it was 2012 or 2013, maybe. Uh, I can't remember, but I know I know I've seen them at Outside Lands. Yeah, they're great. It's a great song. I'm gonna agree. There are two celebrity cameos in this week's episode. And we always try to rank them, like, which is a good one and which was a bad one. It's pretty clear, though, which it is. I don't want to shit on Tony Bennett that much because he's an icon, but Wahlberg is the best celebrity cameo in every episode he's in. He's the best in everything, everywhere, <laughs> all day, every day. Him and Ari golfing, and Wahlberg just being as cool as a cucumber. He's like, don't worry about Vinny, though, buddy. It's all good. I'm making so much money that you're going to be all right, buddy. He's just like, of course that's how he acts. That's probably how he acted. Back in the two, early 2000s. Ah, oh, fuck! All right. What the f- What's the matter with you today, buddy? Focus is off. What's the problem? You got marital woes? Nah, client trouble. You need me to hunt down some commissions for you? It's Vinny Chase, so there are no commissions. Oh, man. Me and Easy Screen met Ian last night, fell asleep halfway through. Don't worry about Vinny, though, are you? It's all good. I'm making so much money, you're gonna be all right, buddy. Jesus, come on. It's a nice shot. I'm going again. Hit until you're happy. It's your club. You know what? I love this kid the way I love you. He comes into my office today. He's got four scripts that he wants to do, none of which he can get. I don't know what to say to him. You're always good at lying off the cuff. What are you talking about? I never lied to you. What about when you told me you liked the truth about Charlie? What is the truth about Charlie? Exactly. Hit the ball, please. Look where we are now, baby. What about Vinny? You think he's going to be all right? 50-50. Rusty cunt bucket. Fuck! I wasn't laughing. Fuck! (laughs) I will say, I think firsthand I have seen him. Yeah, you've you've had a Wahlberg interaction, haven't you? I've had a Wahlberg encounter. I was working at Pure Bar in in Brentwood, and there was this, like, massage place next door to us and we would always see him in there with his three sons he'd always be coming in and out of there and so that's so weird it's so it's so I mean, was it like a legit massage place or was it like a, one of those you know you know like open floor plan like big leather chair okay. sofas okay. you know have to be open couldn't yeah. have it separated by curtains but it was just like a nice little mas- i mean look at him look at his body yeah. he's got to take care of it whether yeah. he's working out or getting a little massage i think with there. his three sons that's the weird thing though i think you know mom 
maybe you know what actually mom was doing bar oh there and it he is he was next door yeah, waiting yeah. for mom to finish bar so he was getting a massage while the kids were hanging out must be it's nice weird. must be nice he's not very tall is he no which i was shocked <laughs> like yeah. i knew he wasn't tall but yeah. i didn't think he was not that tall <laughs> so let's talk about tony bennett obviously in american music icon born and raised in astoria an italian american Began singing at a very early age. He fought in World War II as an infantryman in the European theater. Wow. Afterwards, he signed with Columbia Records. He had his first number one popular song, Because of You, in 1951. That's incredible. 1962, he recorded his signature song, I Left My Heart in San Francisco. Very appropriate for you and I. And he's won 19 Grammy Awards, including a Lifetime Achievement Award, two Emmy Awards. He sold over 50 million records worldwide. Allie. What is Tony Bennett doing in this Entourage episode? <laughs> I just, you just kind of feel bad for him. The first thing I said when I saw him, I, I literally turned to him, I'm like, why is Tony Bennett in this? It's just, I, I get it. Like, they're trying to, what it really reminded me of with this Justine Chape and Tony Bennett duet thing was, didn't Lady Dada do something yes. like this? Was this maybe inspired by that or, or something like that? I don't know the time frame really. I think I this be... was before Lady Gaga. I guess it's kind of like showing like the evolution of a pop star's career. Like first you have like some teeny bop hits and then you like go on to do duets with like a famous crooner like Tony Bennett. But the guy just can't act and he just, he just looks uncomfortable and it just looks weird seeing him like standing at a cocktail table with a bunch of 20 year olds around him. And You guys have an amazing chemistry. Wow, this is like a mutual admiration society. Love Aquaman. Thank you. You know, I haven't got a chance to see the sequel yet. Oh, don't worry, I'm not in it. Jake Gyllenhaal is. Oh, I guess you had your reasons. Anyway, it was a pleasure meeting you. Thank you very much. Thank you. And, uh, sweetheart, I'll see you in a bit. Okay. Isn't he awesome? Yeah, he is. <laughs> Just not one of the better uh, Entourage cameos. Maybe they were bringing him in to kind of, like, resurrect his own career. Because I do yeah. think him and Lady Gaga did their collaboration after that. And to be honest... I knew about Tony Bennett growing up, of sure. course, but it wasn't until becoming a fan of Lady Gaga and then seeing them do their performance together, it's like, oh, wow. Like, one, it kind of brings you back into the amazing music that he created, but then it showed this completely different side of Lady Gaga. And I think it, I think this whole thing is getting kind of Tony Bennett back into the, or into the yeah, graces they, that's of, like, what they the were young trying. culture. Yeah, yeah, that's what they were trying to do. Like, introduce, like, people watching Entourage in the early 2000s are like, oh, who's Tony Bennett? And they introduce him to his music. Maybe he had an album coming out at the time. These are all speculative things. I probably should have done the research, but... Yeah, where's your research? <laughs> <laughs> How would this episode be different if it aired today in 2020? It's not one of the more, like, outdated episodes in terms of, like, the plot points. I, I guess... Just the whole idea of like, oh, hey, Vince, I'm having a music video rap party at the Orpheum Theater in L.A. I'm a washed up pop star who hasn't had a hit, like, but I'm going to have this lavish, like, cocktail party after. It just, it seems a little far-fetched for me. People make music videos on YouTube now in their backyards and they do 100 million hits. So, like, I just that just reminds me of, like, a, a different uh, iteration of what music used to be. Yeah, I could see that. I also... It was one of the least exciting episodes we've seen yeah. in a while, to be honest. This is not one of my favorite episodes of Entourage. A lot happens, weirdly. Like, E gets some new clients. Vinny, like, really experiences rock bottom a little bit. I mean, let's be honest. He doesn't really experience rock bottom. He's Vinny Chase, and he still gets to go home with Justin Chapin. But a lot of moving parts. Drama breaks up with his girlfriend. Ari, like, wheels and deals. It's just a lot happens, but it's not as well put together as I would have liked it to be. I think it's 
a good, um, like a new beginnings kind of episode, right? Like everybody's trying to get their careers back on track, e-managing, Ari with all the things that he does, (laughs) Vince and his acting, you know, the boys trying to get back together of just being the boys. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And this was a season that in watching it in real time was hard to deal with because you didn't like seeing Vince on the bottom. But now in doing this show and watching it through the lens of a, you know, guy in his early 30s, it, it made sense. It had to happen. Yeah. Let's talk about E's clients. So faces in the crowd, we always give this award out for people who have like familiar faces. Nick and LB, the writers of Nine Brave Souls, Giovanni Ribisi and Lucas Haas. Giovanni Ribisi, iconic character actor, been all over the place. He's known for Sneaky Pete on Amazon. He was in Saving Private Ryan, Avatar, A Million Ways to Die in the West, and Ted. Really just one of those faces where, oh, I love this guy every time you see him. I specifically remember him from Gone in 60 Seconds. He was one of the Reigns brothers, uh, Nicholas Cage's uh, younger brother who gets in all this trouble. He's an active Scientologist, which is, you know, interesting. Uh, his twin sister, Marissa, is also a Scientologist, so goes to show. You know, you, don't, you never know what you know about people. But I want to talk more in-depth about Lucas Haas. Did you know who Lucas Haas was before he appeared on screen? I just want to take a moment and elevate Giovanni Ribisi because <laughs> you were moving on way too quickly for me. It didn't give me a chance to speak about him. I love him. I love everything he's in. I don't care if he's in it for five seconds or a whole hour, but he just he's a great character and can just play so many different types of people, and he's just so fun, fun to watch. So... Yeah, their their place is called like Bullets and Brews or something, or like Bullets and Bitches or whatever it is. So like they have like a strip club gun range. And he's like walking out of the meeting, just loading up like a massive. I don't even know yeah. what that was. It's way more extensive than a rifle, and just walks out in the middle of a bunch of naked girls. Safe like, to say, the Nick and LB characters would would have been the people protesting outside of a <laughs> Michigan and Wisconsin yeah. or whatnot. Yep. So let me try to understand something. You represent Vincent Chase. You want to represent us. We want Vincent Chase, but you can't get us Vincent Chase. Well, Vince is looking to do a studio movie right now. Oh, he is? So what, so what can you get us? Well, I think I can get you a job writing. Why do we need a job when we spent three years of our lives writing the script? Well, maybe if it's a real writing job. Yeah, LB, wait. Hold on for a second. LB gets a little excited by the appearance of a fancy car and nice clothes. No offense. The script has our life's blood dripped into it. As your manager, yeah. Nick. Well, as the manager of Vincent Chase, who can't get us Vincent Chase, who do you manage that you can get for us? Yeah, you got uh, Shia LaBeouf. Or... Listen, uh, managers don't necessarily get you stars for your movies, Nick. What I can do, what I will do, is passionately sell you guys to the town so that people will pay you lots of money to do what you did so well in this script. I mean, let me do that. Come on, guys, what do I have to do to prove to you that I'm the one that can change your lives? Sell the script. And I'm Brave Souls. That's what you can do. So the LB character is played by Lucas Haas. Lucas Haas, he's an actor, he's a musician. His acting career started when he was very, very young. He's acted and worked in Hollywood for over four decades. He's appeared in over 50 feature films and a number of television shows and stage productions. He's the current drummer and pianist for a band called The Rhodes. He lives down in Austin, Texas. But most famously, he is, along with Kevin Connolly, one of the original members of the Pussy Posse which is a group of young male actors who ran around Hollywood in the mid-90s and a tight-knit friend group whose ringleader was one Mr. Leonardo oh, DiCaprio. Love it. Haas was roommates with Leo in the 90s, and he lost more than a few roles to Leo. He was officially named like the not-Leo of the Pussy Posse at the time. No. 
The good news is that he stayed working. He's consistently, like, capitalized on his friendship with Leo and Tevin Connolly. He appeared alongside Leo in Inception, The Revenant. He's got a mini arc on Entourage because of Eli. This is a tight-knit group of friends. Overall, I guess that's just, like, bros being bros. Famous buddies helping out their other famous buddies. So, uh... Really interesting to see him here in the episode. I wouldn't say he's like a particularly memorable or good character, but worth noting all that information about him because uh, just shows how far these guys go back. Yeah, I, I don't know much about him, but I think I'm going to start looking out for him now because uh, I'm now obsessed with a pussy posse ever since you told me about this. I had no idea, and I'm so excited to know that these guys ran around with each other in the 90s. It's awesome. It'd be a whole other thing if you're like, oh, the Pussy Posse? Oh, I know the Pussy Posse. Yeah. i like, wait a second, what? <laughs> Probably good that I don't. <laughs> but I was too young. The 90s was too young for me. Just missed it. Just <laughs> missed out on sleeping with Tobey Maguire. Um, <laughs> Sixth Man Award. Every week we give a, an award for someone who just appears on screen for a few minutes, makes the most of their minutes. In this case, for me, particularly, it's not going to a man. It actually goes towards the Amanda Daniels role. Amanda appears for just one scene towards the end. E stops by her office. He pitches her the Nine Brave Souls script. So why aren't you keeping this for Vince? Ari only wants Vince to do a ghost studio movie. You agree? Yeah. I mean, if he can get one. What do you think? I think we don't work together anymore, Eric. But if this script is as good as you say it is, it seems like Vince could use it. On the other hand, you are... One more bad choice away from ruining his career. Thanks. So did Ari read it? Nope. So what makes you think I will? You have a better work ethic. Oh, look at that. See, he almost smiled. <laughs> oh, look, it's really good. Okay, I promise you, I wouldn't waste your time if it wasn't. Just read ten pages of it and you'll be hooked. Guaranteed. Please. Leave it. I'll read five. Carla Gugino. Rocket ship. Gorgeous older woman. As you know, I'm into older women. I don't know if you knew that about me. Also does her thing. She like stands up to E. She kind of gives him a little bit of a dig. She's like, you know, on the other hand, you're one more bad choice away from ruining Vince's career. Like, she speaks honestly with the guys, which Ari can't really do, and they all can't really do to Vince. And uh, I don't know, loved seeing her. What were your thoughts on seeing uh, Carla Gugino? Yeah, I've always loved her character in this show, but I've been... Since we last saw her, I'm like, God, where have I seen her before? I know I've seen her before, and it just clicked this episode... Son-in-law. She was Rebecca huh. and son-in-law, and her and Crawl, you know, started getting close in that in that movie. It, I think I tried because you hadn't seen it before, right? I've never seen Son-in-law. It's yeah. with Polly Shore, right? It's with Polly Shore, <laughs> and I swear I tried to get you to watch it a couple years ago, and you just were not interested. I mean, it's definitely not a movie that ages well, but it was. I think it was back in like the early '90s. This movie came out, and I just loved it. But she was gorgeous then she is gorgeous now and i love how she just runs around these guys Polly shore another entourage mainstay so i don't know i'll fuck with some early 90s Polly shore movies i'll go i'll go biodome i'll go in the army now any day of the week but like i don't know just son-in-law didn't do as well wasn't as well known uh maybe tonight we'll fire it up for the quarantine we'll uh we'll yes. watch son-in-law tonight <laughs> so every week Allie, we talked about who won this week's episode of entourage and it can never be Vinny Chase, because even when he's at his lowest, which he's pretty low this episode, he always wins. He's the A-list movie star. He has two women throwing themselves at him this episode, and yet he's down in the dumps because none of the five scripts he chose from that morning's read session <laughs> can be his. I'm giving it to Ari Gold. There's a ton of Ari in this episode. Some of the moments we've talked about, him killing the projector, storming in and out of the office, Rusty Cunt Bucket, calling E motherfucking him as he's walking into Manny Daniels' office. But it isn't that. For me, it's the scene 
when Vinny shows up at his office. Vinny's looking good. He's that athleisure wear on before athleisure wear was popular. And Vince asked that outfit. What? I love that. I said to you like three times. I was like, that's a cool outfit. (laughs) You know me. I like to, I like to nice, uh, non-jean pant and some white tennis shoes. Oh yeah, Um, that Henley look. You love it. I don't know. There's a scene where Vince very earnestly asked Ari, I mean, was I really that awful? And Ari, this is just a credit to Jeremy Piven, how good of an actor he is. He's like, straight up, Vinny, the movie was awful, and yes, you were awful in it. But then he immediately spins it. He's like, it's not about being a good actor, it's about being a movie star. I need you to dip back to being a movie star. It lights a bit of a fire in Vince, which I liked seeing. Vince is like, you really don't believe I'm a movie star? Piven's like, it remains to be seen. I, I think that's a nice moment. It's It's much more encouraging and motivational than one of his, like, alpha chest beating kind of bullshit rants that like people post on youtube all the time it's a much quieter more subtle moment it shows you how much he cares about vince and how much he considers vince a friend because no self-respecting agent would tell their a-list client like you're not a good actor yet but ari and vince just have that relationship and i really love that so that's why i'm giving it to him what do you think 100 percent. there's so there's such range of who ari is in this episode it's the fuck you E, taking a random person's cell phone, throwing it on the floor, kicking a mail cart to this type of interaction to your point. Like it's, it's such a different relationship. I would never expect a manager and an actor to have this. And it's like this, it's this weird, like, I almost feel like Ari's like his uncle, like yeah. the funk, the funk, yeah. you know, yeah, the and uncle, he's yeah. just like always like trying to support him, giving it to him honest, but fluffing him a little bit. Yeah. But so I, I, I love, I, yeah, Ari, he's always a big favorite of mine, but I definitely think he won this episode. Hey, hey there he is. How you doing, baby? To be Good. honest, Ari, not great. <laughs> and I haven't said that very many times in my life. What's wrong? I don't know. I came back from Mexico, motivated, ready to work, and correct me if I'm wrong, you basically said that I can't. No, no, no. What I said was... I know what you you said. I just want to know what it means. Do you really have a plan, Ari? Really? You always said you were going to be the guy to give it to me straight, so come on. Give it to me straight. Am I going to be okay? I don't know. I mean, one bad movie and this is what happens? I mean, was I really that awful? Straight up, Vinny, uh, the, the movie was awful. And yes, you were awful in it. But you know what? One bad movie can be overcome. Look at Colin Farrell. He's overcome dozens of them because the perception of him is he's a movie star. And what's the perception of me? That you don't give a fuck. You refuse to play the game. You refuse to be a part of the process. Look, the great ones, even if they don't care, they pretend they do. Do you think I'm a good actor, Ari? I did not sign you in the first place because I thought you could act. I signed you because I thought you were a movie star. And you haven't acted like one in a long time. I'm ready to play the game, Ari. Whatever you say. That's a good start. But I'm not willing to wait. I want you to send me into every person in this town who's willing to meet me. I don't care if it wastes my time. I will charm the fuck out of every last one of them. Filmmakers, studio execs, all of them. I will change the perception. I like the fire. You don't believe I'm a good actor? It remains to be seen. But Vin, I'm starting to believe that you're a movie star again. And you know what? This town loves a comeback. And since Britney fucked hers up, it's all you. Last two questions. Was this an A-list episode, a B-list episode, or a D-list episode of Entourage Alley? And you can do pluses and minuses. I'd give it... I can't give it a C, huh? 
I'm kidding. Mean, you can give whatever you want. I'll give it a B minus. Okay. I think we're I think we're in agreement there. We're in agreement of a lot of things, but that's probably why I married you. I, I think it I honestly, and I said this early on, but like I hated this episode when I first watched it. 2008, I was 20. So I was like, what the fuck? Like, you know, I was probably just a little bit more brash about it. I was like, I don't like seeing Vince not get what he wants. I don't like these two new writer characters. I don't like, just really just like kind of meat-headed idiocy. But now in rewatching the episode, it's got a lot of subtleties to it, but it's got a little too much going on. Um, I like the scene with Ari and Vince. I like E and Amanda Daniels. I don't like Justine Chapin. I don't like the Jacqueline stuff. So probably somewhere right in the middle, at B, B minus. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It feels like a little bit of a, like a filler episode a yeah. bit, but to your point, there are like these nice subtleties that I'm glad that you've been able to mature and realize <laughs> at your ripe age of 32. <laughs> we won't talk about what age you are. <laughs> All right, Allie, you didn't know this one was coming and you're going to hate this question, but this is what I asked every single person on their first episode of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah. Who are you in your own real life entourage? Which character are you closest to? Are you a combination of more than one character? Are you a lesser-known character from the show? I think I think I would be a hybrid. Get ready. Let's see if you agree with me. <laughs> a hybrid between Ari and Turtle. Okay, I see the Ari one. Let me let me see if I can answer this a little bit for you. <laughs> the Ari one because you are very much a take charge, no nonsense bitch, for lack of a better word. No, like like I just mean like in your like day to day, like you just I you don't are, take any shit. You don't take shit off of anybody, especially me. The turtle thing is interesting to me. I want to hear more about that. The turtles, because especially in this episode, you see like there's just this loyalty, this yeah. honesty of like. I want to do this, but I'd rather do this, or it's more important to my ethics to do this. And I try to find deep down inside, outside of my type A, like take no shit from anybody personality, that deep down I still am going to do what's right. I don't want to walk all over people. Mm -hmm. I don't want to make people feel bad. And it's really important for me to stick to that integrity and making sure that the people around me are okay and feeling good and you know, we've got a big support system. Yeah, the better aspects of Turtle's personality are definitely the ones that you have in full you're a very loyal person. You're a very passionate person, which I tell you all the time. And it shows in the fact that you hopped on on a Sunday afternoon <laughs> on your husband's silly little entourage podcast to uh, get him a female guest. This has been an absolute pleasure, Alexandra. What was your first oh yeah, oh yeah experience like? Did you enjoy yourself? Loved it. Oh my gosh, this has been my life with you for the last two years. I can't believe it took this long to get me on here. I hope the listeners enjoyed it. If you guys did, let me know. Please, at JR will do it on Instagram and Twitter. We'll definitely try to have my first wife back on in the future. Have a great rest of your week, guys. Allie, thank you for joining, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye, everyone. Thanks. Bye.